0: Though it's not fleshly and carnal, it's better than what the visual fleshly and carnal is. So in Hebrews chapter 2, Brad quoted some of this Wednesday. I had already read it several times before he quoted that. But I'm thankful the way the Lord can just ease things together. So in verse 5, "...for unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak." But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Now we're going to stop there. We'll look a little farther in a minute. But he's finishing here his thought from chapter 1, that the Lord Jesus is greater than the angels. And so he finishes that argument by saying, there's nothing subject to the angels. The world to come is what he speaks of. You can call that heaven. You could call it the church of the living God, I believe. And you know, he says that these angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that would be heirs of salvation. And in Luke, I believe we can see that as the angel in chapter 1 is speaking to Zechariah. And he says, verse 19... The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to shew thee glad tidings. So this angel, Zacharias was not subject to the angel. God was the one in control of everything and the Lord Jesus is the one that the church is subjected to. But these angels, they were just a spirit that God used to deliver the message of the Word of God. Now, he calls his uh, uh, preachers, really, ministers. The church is not to be uh, a subject to the minister, but it's the message that the minister sends. Now, Zacharias, he was subject to the Word of God, and that angel, as they spoke the Word of God, he was to be subject unto that. So this world to come, the church, this new heaven and new earth. It's not under the power of angels and under their directive, but the Lord Jesus is the one that's the head of those that have been redeemed and born again. Now it looks like now we're way off topic in the next verse, don't it? What is man that thou art mindful? What is man that thou visitest him? So let's think about those words for just a second. Mindful. To remind to call to memory or to recollect. Visit inspect, select, or go to see. So this is something that's... You know, I I might remember something. Uh, It happens to me often. I'm talking to somebody. I'm trying to remember and I just can't get a hold of it. And then uh, a day or two, an hour or two later, I'm not even thinking about it and that comes into my memory. That was not purpose. That just happened to recall to me. But God's not, it's not just He's going down the street one day and then He thinks, well, what about man that I've created? But God has purposefully remembered the condition of mankind. So we'll come back to this in just a minute. What is man? He's going to answer what man is here. Now this these are a quote from Psalm 8. David wrote these words. And David, when he wrote them, was looking back to the beginning when God created man. So listen, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him... He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see, not yet all things put under Him. So He's speaking here about man. He's speaking about Adam. And in God's creation of Adam, now He says here a little lower than the angels, if you turn back in the Psalms and you look at the Hebrew The word, and it says angels there in the King James translation, but that Hebrew word is Elohim. And that's the same word in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. God. He made him. Now, God's creating, God's the one in power. And you can see as you look at the creation, it looks to me like everything else is made out of nothing. And God is speaking it into existence. That 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 wasn't there before, God is speaking that and out of nothing, God's creating by the word of His mouth. But man is different. When He comes to create man, He forms him out of the dust of the ground. He takes that out of the earth. That that's there. And you know, I I heard a fellow say this, and I believe it's just wonderful. Dust is dead dirt. Because dust, it can't hold nutrients, and it can't hold water. You can't grow anything in it. It's just useless and worthless and of no value. And it's that that God took and formed man out of the dust, and into that dust He breathed the breath of life. And God says in Genesis 1, let's make Him in our image. So what does that mean? If you look over a chapter 2, Adam and Eve brings forth a son named Seth. The Bible says that he is in their image. It's a fatherly term. Adam was made to be a reflection of the glory of God in this world. This is all, It's all over my head. I'm not going to lie. And there's so much to gather in and think on here. But Paul says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, there are terrestrial bodies and there are celestial bodies. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. Well, God is a spirit. He is a spiritual being. A spiritual body is God. And He created a terrestrial world. (coughs) A world that we see, that we touch, that we take in... Through the flesh. And God was going to put His glory in this earth inside of man. Man was going to be the reflection and the image of a spiritual God in a terrestrial world. So God forms him out of the dust. And you think about the very act of forming out of the dust that Adam could go and he could scoop up a handful of dust and say, Listen, this is what I came from. God took this and He formed me out of this. He could say that to Cain. He could say that to Abel. He could say that to Seth. God left dust on the earth as evidence of what man came from. And i tell you what else you can do. You can let one die and go long enough. And you can go back and see the dust that he goes back into. If you didn't believe, then you just look what's left... After some time goes by, after death, dust is what's left of no value and of no good. But now here are living, breathing, walking, and not just living, breathing, and walking like the cattle out in the field or like the, the squirrels in the trees, but here's a living, breathing, walking, rational, and thinking And an ability to perceive and understand and figure out what's going on. Ain't it amazing now that a problem can come up and we can sit down and with our minds say, uh, let's figure out a way to answer what's wrong here and how we can fix that. And that man has reasoning and rationale and the truth is we're nothing but dust. Where did all that come from? It didn't come from the dust. But God breathed into man and man became a living soul. So even now, even the creation, as corrupt and wicked as mankind is, even man as he walks and talks and lives, and has He's being in this world, it is a reflection of the glory and the power of God to say, look at all of these people. Look at how different they are. Look at how wise that many of them are. Look at all the solutions that they can figure out. And yet God brought them forth out of the very dust of the ground. We can go and look at what we came from. We can see that. So that's where Adam came from. He was formed. And God said, I'm going to set him in a place. Man did not just overcome and become the head, but God created him for this purpose that now in the spiritual, as God ruleth over everything and has dominion and power and authority over all, God's going to give Adam dominion. Adam's not going to get dominion by his strength or power. But God says, I'm going to give him dominion. And He says here in Hebrews that he was made a little lower than God. Now, he's not transcendent. He's not all-powerful. He's not self-existent. You know, nobody come to God and said, Listen, we're going to make you the supreme deity. Nobody come and said, we're going to vote you in as God. God is God. He's always been God from eternity past, and He'll always be God through eternity future, and there's nothing that can take away His authority. That's not man. Man's made a little lower than God. Man's made in His authority. What He's got has been delegated and given to Him by God. But I think a lot of times... What God delegated is overlooked. Listen to this. Thou crownest Him with glory and honor, and didst set Him to place down, set Him over the works of Thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection, in subordination under His feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under him. As if I would have a hard time understanding just how much that God put under Adam, He says it to me twice. He put all things in subjection and He says He put them all. There was nothing left that wasn't subordinate to Him. So God takes Adam and now remember, the image of God in this terrestrial world. That's what Adam is. And as God rules over and all things are subject to Him, God puts Adam on this earth and He makes everything on the earth subject to Adam. So that what Adam says is what the world does. What Adam says to the beasts of the field, they do that. You don't have to have a yoke. You don't have to have a goad but they were made to be subject unto Him. God put everything under His feet. But, the end of that verse, verse number 8, but now we see not yet all things put under Him. So here's the question then. Did He or didn't He? He says, He put all things under him. But at the end, I'm looking and all things aren't obedient to me. My God, we've got to to work and train to get a dog to do what we say. But I tell you, we're, we're in a place that's cursed. What's happened? What happened to the dominion that God gave to man? We know what happened. Man fell in the garden. God gave man all of this dominion, all of this authority, all of this power, such that in innate... Now, He didn't give him his place. He was made lower and subject to God. If God made Adam above Himself, then who would have cared whether He kept the commandment of God or not? But God's got authority... And it's evident in Adam, if you do this, you're going to die. God's Word had authority over what Adam said or over what Adam thought. But now the, the serpent comes into the garden. He deceives Eve and she breaks the commandment of God being deceived. Now, you see how that is, my God? What pictures that we have here. She's eating the fruit against the Word of God, but she's deceived. She thinks what she's doing is the right thing to do. The serpent has deceived and beguiled her, and she believes she's doing what's best for her and for Adam. That's what being deceived is. But Adam, the New Testament says, Adam was not deceived being in the transgression you see how that, that bond that God put there. She ate that and she comes to Adam and says, Look, I've ate of this and boy, it's good. And Adam says, My God, you're going to die. God said that if you eat that, you're going to die surely you're going to die for what you have did. How could you do such a foolish thing? And Adam knew he was not deceived. He knew what God said, and he knew what was right, but you know what he had to do? He said, listen, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to eat it too, because if you're going to die, I might as well die. You see the love that was put there now God created that in him and in Eve as he made her. And Eve now, she wasn't formed out of the dust, but she was formed out of a piece of Adam. Out of a rib of Adam, God made the woman. And so there is your first two. There's the dominion that God gave them. And there is the loss. Of their dominion. What did the loss of this dominion bring? It brought a curse on man. It brought a curse on woman. It brought a curse on the serpent. And it brought a curse on the earth. And a curse on the creatures of the earth—they're no longer under our uh, uh, a subordinate to us. They're no longer under our dominion. I tell you where we live, we live in a world that's dangerous to man. Man who had dominion as God has dominion. Man who would rule over the earth as God rules over all things. Now man lives in fear day by day because he's now liable to die. The animals might take my life. I might fall and not take my life. Living in fear in a cursed world that now by great labor daily man survives and lives. That now through great pain and suffering children are born into this world. That now disease and sickness and suffering exists in the creation of man. Uh, All of this tied now to the fall in the garden. God gave man dominion. Man sinned and broke the commandment of God and God took away the dominion that man had. Man could no longer be in control because he was now corrupted by sin and evil. He was wicked now by nature. And if you look in Genesis 1 at the creation, he creates the grass, he creates the trees, he creates the flowers, and they've all got their seed in them. So that the apple tree naturally produces apples, and the grapes naturally produce grapevines, and the oak trees naturally produce more oak trees. God made it that way. Well, God put man's seed in him. And you know, God said there as he cursed, He said to Eve, He said, From your seed, from the seed of a woman, shall come a man that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Now as they have lost, if anybody knows, if anybody's ever knew what sin cost mankind, Adam and Eve knew what sin really costs mankind. And so they bring forth a son, Cain, the firstborn son, by what everything we read. And Eve says, I've gotten me a man from the Lord. But there was a problem Adam was corrupt, Eve was corrupt, and the seed that Adam had was corrupt as well. And that all Adam could now produce. Because Adam was a corrupt tree, what kind of true fruit does a corrupt tree produce? It's New Testament doctrine. A corrupt tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit. And so the seed that's within Adam being cursed, his firstborn son is born and lives and murders his brother. My God, we're corrupt. He thought we have deliverance. And boy, how wrong that was. So man now, subject to all these things and the God's truth, where man had dominion, he's now under the authority and the rule of the devil, of sin, and of death. That's where man was left And you know the thing about it is is as sickness, as suffering, as death, as trouble comes, all of this that you can find the very root of in the fall of man there in the garden. you know what that ought to make me do? That ought to make me despise the serpent. That ought to make me despise sin despise this that caused all of this trouble. But look at how far now man has come down. He's come down to the place that now it's God's fault that there's trouble. When trouble or death comes, God's the one I'm going to be angry with. He's the one I'm going to take out my blame. He's the one I'm going to point out my finger at. It's God that's brought all of this on me. Now that's not true, is it? Man brought this on. Man's sinful. Man's wicked. Man fail. Now let's ask the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You ever, when you were a kid, you ever sat down and drew something and you messed it up what would you do with that? When you messed it up, what would you do? I, I did the same thing. I believe most people did. You mess it up bad enough, you're going to throw it away and start all over again. I want to wad it up and get it out of my sight. I don't want to see the error that's present. That's the nature of man, ain't it? We want to get the error out of our way. Get that that we're ashamed of and that we're unhappy with. We want to cast that aside. Well, as man now, man has fallen in the garden in disobedience to the commandment and the Word of God. Willful and intentional disobedience. What would you have done with man there? I tell you, that drawing... That's my creation. I've drew that. Man's no different than a drawing that I've drew towards God. We're His creation. He does with us. Boy, boy, man stubs up at that. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to live the way I want to live. And God ain't in control of me. i tell you the God's truth. Man is the very creation of God and He does with us just exactly like He wants to do with us. You're going to stub up and say, I'm not going to do it? Jonah tried that. Jonah stubbed up. And i tell you what God can do. God can change your mind in the belly of a whale or He can just burn you off the face of the earth if He sees fit. But you're not in control. God's in control. You're God's creation. And just like I can wad up my drawing and throw it in the garbage if I see fit, God could have wadded Adam and Eve up and said, I'm going to throw them in the garbage and I'm going to start again. He said that to Moses. Did God mean that when He said it? I want you to think now. People say, well, God was serious when He said that. God from before the foundation had a lamb coming to bring salvation. No, I tell you what God was doing. He was letting little pea brain me and you to see I can do what I want to. He told Moses, he said, Moses, you stand back from them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth and I'll bring forth a new people. Oh, he could have done that in the beginning. He could have said, I'm going to throw man away and I'm going to start with a new creation. Why? I think that's a natural question. Why create man? For His glory. God's going to show His glory. Not just in the heaven and in the spiritual and celestial bodies. But God's going to show His glory in a terrestrial and in a worldly body. Not just in a place now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done in heaven. You believe that? You believe that there's no sin and there's no rebellion. And there's no back talk in heaven. I believe that. But boy, you know where God's will is done as well. Just like it's done in heaven, God's will done down here in a terrestrial world that is subject to and cursed by disobedience and by sin. God still has His way in the midst of everything. He is the Creator. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest. I believe the latter part of that definition. To come to see. And I believe you could say now, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. God already knows they fell in the garden. Adam and Eve have put on fig leaves. God knows they've put on fig leaves. They've went to hide in the garden. God knows exactly where they're hid at. And God could have said, I'm just going to leave them down there hiding. And I'm not going to go by anymore. But you know what God did? In the cool of the day, just like He always did, God came down there to and see where Adam was. Adam says, I'm naked and I've hid myself from you. I don't want you to look at me, God, because I've dis." me. And God said, Adam, I'm destroying you. Adam, I'm angry with you. And Adam, I'm going to crush you. God says, Adam, my son, I'm going to kill two animals and I'm going to cover your name. And I'm going to make it where you can come to me and not be ashamed. Because you see, Adam, it's not like your fig leaves that you figured out. I'll give you this. And when I call, you can come and say, I'm coming with the covering that God provided me. (sighs) Made by the hand of a loving God. If you look in Luke, at the genealogy of Jesus, it goes all the way back. Seth was a son of Adam, and Adam was a son of God. Adam was his child. God could have made him in any fashion he wanted, but he made him as a child. He made him to be one that he could love and that he could shew forth his glory upon. Oh, but sin. How that sin has caused a fall. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. But the Lord's going to visit. He's going to come down. And i tell you what He's going to do. Me and Morgan talked about this just a little while back. But the Lord's not just going to come down as a high, holy, pure being and just look on me You know, we do that sometimes. We come down and and we look on somebody that's in bad shape, look on somebody that's poor, look on somebody that's dying, and we say, oh, I pity them. But to truly pity them, you can't do it. You do not know what they're going through. You know, they could have said that, All through the Old Testament to God. Could they not have said, God, you don't know what it's like to live in a cursed world. But boy, God's going to come, not just to inspect, but He's going to come to live just like one of us. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Same kind of creation. You see that? But there's something different now. He's not of Adam's seed. Remember, Adam's cursed. Adam's seed is cursed. And everything produced from Adam's seed is corrupt, just like Adam was corrupt. But you know, the Lord Jesus, He's not coming by Adam's seed. Every other child that's been born, He was born through the seed of a man. But God's coming through the womb of a virgin. The seed of man's never been there. There's never been a man's imprints in this womb. And the power of the highest and the glory of God's going to overshadow and God is going to be conceived in the womb of Mary. He's coming now, but he's not cursed like we are. Think on it for just a second and don't let it fly over your head. He's a different race. He's he's not come from Adam's seed. And I'm not trying to be dirty. That's just the way it is. He's not come from the seed of a man. He's come from a woman and the Holy Ghost of God moving upon her and causing her to conceive. He's got a flesh and a body That that He's got from the mother. But boy, His Father is God Almighty. And He is God. And He is man. He is, I say, and we'll never have time to cover it all. But He is as much God as God the Father and as God the Spirit and yet he's going to be made a little lower than God. You know where God's at? You think about how low you are. Why don't you go lay hands on God? You know, it was a joke. We was riding through Canton after that flood, working and inspecting, and there I walked a the governor up, a, right up a sidewalk, and I was within arms wrench of him. And that man I was with said, why didn't you lay your hands on Him? Why didn't you tell Him what needs to be told? I could have. They would have got me quickly, but I could have jumped out of that car and I could have got a hold of Him for a minute. But you know, God Almighty, how are you going to lay hands on God and tell Him something? My, He's so far as high as the heavens are above the earth above us how in the world are we going to get a hold of god and tell him or prove something to him i tell you what god's going to do he's going to come right down here to where we are and he's going to walk in our shoes with us the bible says the word was made to be flesh he come down from god he did he didn't lose his godship i'm not saying that but he was made a little lower Because man's going to lay their hands on this God. And they're going to kill this God. Not because they've got dominion. Ain't that that the way man thinks? I've got dominion. I'll do as I want. I'm telling you, you ain't got dominion. You lost your dominion. And what you're going to do, you're going to do because God allows it. Is that not what Jesus told Pilate? He said, Pilate... You've got no power at all except my Father give it to you. I tell you what we've got, we've got what God lets us to have. But Jesus is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. This is why the Lord came to die. Now in the flesh, that don't sound like much of a God, does it? But when you look at the options from our side of the argument, it's either He wads us up and throws us away or He makes a way for us to be brought back to Him again. That's the only two options that there are. There's not an option of me doing better. Can't do better. Because the seed of Adam from the garden was corrupted. There's no hope. Think about that for just a minute. There's no hope of one that's produced from the seed that's within man of ever being good. He's cursed. So the Lord came for the purpose for the suffering. Notice the word. Not just dying. You know, some people die quick. And I believe if you're honest, if it come time for you to die... You'd want to die as quick and as painless as you could. If you could live to be about 80 or 85, and really before your health really started to decline, if you could just have a heart attack and leave this world, that'd be the way we want to go. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants that brought on to themselves. The Lord came to suffer death. He didn't come just to die of a heart attack at 30. He come to be nailed to a Roman cross at the age of 33 to suffer death. Why? Crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So the picture then from back in Genesis 1 that God says I'm going to kill these two animals and I'm going to cover your nakedness so that you can come to me. Well, here is the fulfillment of that. God is going to allow Jesus to suffer death that He might bring man back unto Himself. And God has crowned him with glory and honor. Now, to the world. The world can't see that, can they? John Wayne taught it this morning. He's got no beauty. There's no comeliness. There's no form. There's no reason to desire Him. But boy, the wise men traveled a long ways from the east to come and worship Him. Because God had manifested the glory and the honor that was upon this man, the Lord Jesus. He came to taste death. Now that word to taste, it don't mean He sipped on it. And that was sufficient. It means to experience. Yes. He experienced death for every man. So here's the substitution. God says, yes, you need to die. You ought to die. By the law and by my justice, man ought to be wadded up and destroyed. He, don't, he never denies that. But God says, Jesus is going to be the substitute In judgment, I'm going to impute sin upon my son Jesus. He's going to carry that to the cross. And he's going to die that man could be brought back to me. That I might draw man back to myself. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. For it became Him. It was suitable or proper. And if you look at the way that's worded, that can be confusing. But think about this now. It was suitable and proper in order for our salvation to be perfected. The captain of it, the one bringing it to be, he was going to have to suffer and be beaten. Because that's what was required of us at the law. We were required of the law to suffer and to die and in hell lift our eyes. So in order for our salvation to be perfected, the blood had to be shed. A lot of times we say that. We don't realize the connotation. Moses said in the law, the life of the flesh is is in the blood. So when the Jew said, we're going to shed blood, that was death. Jesus had to die. Not just prick His finger and drop blood out. It was dying that was happening. And He was dying as a substitute for those that would be brought into glory. Bringing many sons into glory. It was suitable for him to die for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So where does the church then come from? Their sons being born into this kingdom. We see that in this scripture. Their sons being born through the work Of this second man, Adam. This new race. The first man, Adam, he was created out of the dust of the ground. The second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, he was the first begotten. Now, that's why God doesn't say, my only son. God God never says it. You notice that? For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. No. His only begotten Son. You know what there is? There is God that conceived the Lord Jesus in the womb. Adam was a son of God by the Word. Adam was a son, but he was a created son. He was a formation. This second man, Adam, he was God from heaven made to be flesh. By the working of God among men. He came to conquer and bring salvation. But you see, there's only a certain people that's going to enjoy in this salvation. This ain't universalism. The seed of Adam's still cursed. You know who's going to be redeemed? You know who's going to enjoy the goodness of God? Them that's been born from above. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. There must be another birth. A birth from on high. In the same way that Mary conceived the Lord Jesus. So the Word of God and the power of the highest and the Spirit of God come to them that are lost and undone and He brings them out of their state unto the Lord Jesus And they're regenerated, made new creatures, sanctified, and brought into the family of God. And the Lord Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren. My God, I'm ashamed of myself. And you're ashamed of yourself. And you don't want to. what you've whispered, what you've said, and what you've done. The Lord knows that about you as well. But you know, in Christ and in His salvation, He's not ashamed to be identified with the church of the living God. Listen to what he says. They, he that sanctify and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. You know where the Lord is found? In the midst of those that's been born again by the Spirit of God. It's not the old man Adam. It's a new man Adam and a new race that's born by the Gospel and the Spirit. It's they that enjoy the redemption of Jesus Christ. Now if that wasn't the case, then he's died and everybody's going to be saved. But if that was the case then, why does Paul say we persuade men? That, that just don't work with the gospel. So the gospel goes out and brings regenerated men and women. They've been born again. They're new creatures. They're adopted. They're brought out of the seed of Adam into the new seed. Paul says in Philippians, they've been translated from darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. John says they've been raised from the dead. It's all the same, same description of the same work. It's God redeeming man out of the cursed Adam's race. And now, just like in the beginning, God didn't gather up all the dust on the earth to make Adam. He just took a portion and He left the rest as evidence of what He's done. God's not saved all of mankind. No, he's I tell you the truth, he's just saved a little a little bit. But you know what the church can do? And God help, it's what we ought to do. I ought to be able to look back. I don't know that Adam. Adam couldn't look back to when he was dirt on the ground. He wasn't alive then. But you know something about this new creature in here? I was alive before I was a new creature. And I can look back to what I was before God came down and recreated me. I can look and say, look, my God, boys, God formed me out of this dust. Boy, I can say, boys, God took a sinner that was bent on hating Him and hating His Word. A sinner that of His own will Could say, I'm not going to obey that. I don't care who says it. God took a sinner out of that. And look at what He's made me today. My God, how glorious is God in His creation and in His recreation in Jesus Christ. So, them in Christ, He's overcame the curse. But we still live in a curse. Even the beasts of the field groan under the curse. Hot weather's coming. The cattle are going to groan. And the flies are going to cover their eyes. Winter's going to come and it's going to be freezing cold. And they're going to groan. The creation groaneth and travaileth under the curse that sin this world. But you know what's going to happen one day? I tell you, we've got the inauguration of it. God's begun this work. God has saved me. And I say this, and I I want it to be as real to you as possible, that the curse over me has lost its power and authority and its dominion. I'm no longer under the curse. But am free in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tell you what it is; it's just the the down payment of it right now. All I've got is the earnest of that work. But there's a day coming, friends, that the Lord is going to undo all of the curse, and the the heavens, and the earth, and the elements, and the works, and the bodies, and everything's going to be burned up in the wrath and in the heat. And the fury of God, and to those that are in God's family. Peter says this Seeing these things are going to be dissolved, but in the next verse he says, But we, we look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. No more curse in the new heavens and new earth. You know why that is? My God, what if we fail again? Adam fail. David's fail. Samson's fail. Noah fail. Jo- Job fail. What if we fall again and bring the curse again? Bless God, it under Adam anymore. There's a new man, Adam. The Lord from heaven. And He cannot fail. It's sure. And it's steadfast. And I can lay down tonight. I can lay down tomorrow. I can bow on my face today and know that I'm secure in Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, I didn't make myself that way. He set man. If you're free, He sets you there. And it's as sure and steadfast as He is as God. That's all that's on her heart.